truth, love, and the good. Here we go. Welcome to the DT PhD podcast. I'm your host, David Tian, PhD, and uh, we're in the home of um, our guest, Henry Chung, here at Christmas. You might be able to see some of the Christmas decorations if you're watching this on the video. Um, and uh, I guess I got to do my spiel. Um, for the past, well, almost 12 years now, I've been helping hundreds of thousands of people in over 87 countries attain success, happiness, and fulfillment in life and love. And uh, I'm joined with, by my guest, uh, Henry Chung. Yes. And uh, well, I'll let you introduce yourself. Yes, well, um, I am the CEO of Fusong, um, the Asian family office. Uh, we help look after the assets and affairs of families of substantive wealth, hoping to give them peace of mind in their affairs. Uh, in addition to looking after investments, I'm also very interested in thinking about life more generally, both as part of investments and also just as part of you know, being a good human being and living. Uh, I have degrees and a sort of a academic background in philosophy, politics, and behavioral science, and I've always enjoyed our conversations about life yeah. and love and the universe. Likewise. <laughs> All right, I'm excited to get into it. Um, yeah. We last, we, I think we started the podcast with an episode where I was in North America and yes. you were in Hong Kong, and then we did one in Cambodia and Siem Reap, and, yeah. and finally we're back. We're in Singapore, and. Um, so you might sharing just one mic. Sharing one mic <laughs> on one camera, and um, you might hear some cooking in the background because there is preparations for dinner going on. Yeah. Um, so that's why that is happening. But let's get into it. So yes. we wanted to talk about principles, and yes. I'm going to let Henry introduce that. Yeah. So, well, that's something I've been very interested in for some time now. Um, thinking a lot about where. With anything in life, any topic, any endeavor, there are always core principles, right? The, uh, Pareto talks about the 80-20 rule, how 80% of the results come from 20% of mm. the effort. And this is true, broadly speaking, for most things in life. And in, again, in any endeavor, there are always core fundamental principles that if you obey them, things will work, you'll be successful in whatever that thing is. And if you don't, you won't. Uh, you know, Tony Robbins talks a lot about strategies, how if you are, you know, running west looking for a sunset, you know, no matter how committed or motivated you are, it ain't going to work. And I think that in anything in life, there are these core strategies. And what I've been very interested in is about how these core strategies, A, are things that usually have persisted over time. So there are things that have been, a, these things are just sort of received wisdom that's been around in some cases for hundreds of years. And also, in many cases, they are very similar across different endeavors or different fields mm -hmm. of life. And you see the same principles resonating through lots of different things. And I think that when you come across the intersection of those two things, something that's been around for a very long time mm -hmm. and something that you see resonating through many different fields, you know it is true in that sense. You don't even need to, to think too much about it. Yeah. You know, when we were last talking in Cambodia, uh, a lot of the things that you were talking about, I knew almost instinctively that they were, in that sense, quote-unquote true. Again, just because they were, in many cases, timeless, and because I can see the same principles resonate across lots of different mm. fields. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so one of the, I really, when you wanted to talk about principles, um, I, I, I've been talking, I've been mentioning principles before <laughs> in, in some of the solo podcasts, because one of the things that really bothers me, so to finish the first sentence, I got really excited. So one of the things that really bothers me is people who ask me for tips just before they go out on a date or tips just before they go to a job interview or as if like they think that the tip would make it any difference. Yeah. And um, one of the characteristics of people who aren't successful in life or generally like compared to other people aren't 
really that successful, is that they don't look at problems from a principal's perspective. Yeah. That is, they're not looking for the abstract reasons that they can extract out of the specific situation, that a lesson that they can then apply in the future yeah. across different case, cases. Instead, they're looking at each case individually yeah. as separate <laughs> problems. So every problem in their life is a separate new problem. Exactly. And, and if it's always a new problem, you never learn. That's, you, yeah, you, you never, never really slack on the experience. Exactly. <laughs> and um, it, so I used to get really angry about it. It used to really bother me. And then I realized that that is the global problem. Yeah. So one of the best ways you can teach people to, to achieve the goals that they're looking for is instead of just giving them, here's the how-to on how to get this. Because a lot of people, actually, a lot of people are used to getting how-tos. Like if you want to set up your website or if you have some tech problem, you'll just Google it and you'll find a step-by-step -step thing yeah. to do. Click on this, then open this and do this. And, and you think that's how life works. Yeah. Um, but almost everything in life that you want to get that you're not getting is probably difficult for the very reason that there are principles that you're not applying to that situation. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you look at it piecemeal, then you're, you're messed up. Yeah. Um, also, everyone's so, looking for tactics, right? <clears throat> and, and tactics are, are great, but in many cases, uh, if anything, they're what the pros use just for that last 20%, right? Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the meat of it, the full 80%, other strategies, right? There are these core elements that you just need, right? Whether it's playing basketball, right? Again, there are simple principles that you just must obey. Mm -hmm. um, people are so, in, in basketball, most amateurs are really focused on learning to make three-point shots when they should be focused on learning to make layups. Yes, right? right. If you can't make a layup, you don't have an offensive game. Right. It's simple, I and mean, every coach well, will tell you. One of the greatest principles of success is the fundamentals and foundations. Exactly. That the 80-20 is going to be the 20% of the time that you spend on the fundamentals will yeah. account for 80% or more exactly. of the result. Yeah. <clears throat> and a lot of people don't want to do those because they're boring and they're not sexy. And exactly. And, and pros are good <coughs> fundamentals. My, my high school basketball coach always told me that in the fourth quarter of the game, when the game is on the line, that's when you need to go back to fundamentals and focus on making layups, right. defense, offensive rebounding, not on making the crazy three-point shots. Right. Yeah. When, when the game is on the line, that's when it is especially important to right. focus on fundamentals. And in fighting, it's um, a case where you'd have to do the same... Like if you want to, you see these kung fu movies like uh, Karate Kid is yeah. one that everyone's seen, but <laughs> but it's the same trope that's that you see in a lot of like the Shaolin monk movies, and um, it's always that like beware. What's that? I think Bruce Lee said it. Beware of the man. Oh yeah, who no, I I I feel the man who's practiced one, one punch. Yeah, 10, one, times. one technique ten thousand times rather than learning ten thousand techniques. Exactly. And um, in fighting, when you're in the third or fourth round, yeah. I assume uh, when basically <laughs> you're you're amygdala is fired up and you're you can't think consciously very well um then you go back on your training exactly right so it's basically basically you you default to yeah. the level of your preparation yes and the preparation is going to be the yes. thing that you did ten thousand times not that frosting on the cake exactly well that's what they say in the military where very few people rise to the occasion you sink to the level of your training so right. whatever it is that you have done ten thousand times in a stress situation that's what will come out right and I wonder if it's just laziness. So here's a principle, right? <laughs> if you're a teacher, it might be that there's the principle is people are inherently lazy. So because like even in the Karate Kid movie, I just realized in every Karate Kid movie, he learns some special move, like <laughs> and they're ridiculously stupid moves. Like in, as a kid, you suspend disbelief so that you can enjoy the movie. But if you know anything about martial arts, these moves are just ridiculously stupid. Yeah. Like there's this one where he's in Japan and it's very orientalist. And anyway, he's they've got some kind of drum thing and it's going like this, going yeah. swinging its arms around. <laughs> and then just out of the blue, he takes this toy out, and they, you know, Miyaki starts swinging, yeah. getting telling him to swing his arms, and he swings his arm. The guy can't get through that, and he gets beaten up. And then the the guy Daniel San wins because he spun his arms <laughs> in a certain way. And it's just ridiculous. But like you, you have all these, you train the fundamentals, and then at the end, you think that there's some kind of secret. 
special yeah. move like in a video game where you like you have like a, a code a cheat code and you yeah. you press back button five times and then space bar and you know you get this yeah. energy ball or something well this is uh, talks about this right how everyone's always looking for the one secret mm. and the secret is usually that there are fundamentals and you have to learn them and you have to practice them and usually the fundamentals are not big secrets right everyone knows what they are mm. you want to lose weight i mean you know sure there are different tactics to do it but at its core, most people kind of know how to get it done. It's yeah. not like this big mystery that only the 1% know that's locked away somewhere. Right. Well, actually, so I learned the principle of principles mm -hmm. uh, first when I was in school. And in high school, I was a good student. I wasn't an amazing student. I was just a good student. So I did the homework. I worked hard. I, yeah. I studied and everything. And, um, you know, I got the grade. But it wasn't like... so. I did. I was a good student. Then I went to university. The first year of university is a totally different thing in Canada anyway. Big universities. 700 kids in the lecture hall for yeah. the first cl class. And the, the professor does not care about you as a person at all. <clears throat> and in fact, they want to weed you out. Yeah. So whereas in high school, you have 25 kids in the, in the room and the teacher knows all of your <laughs> names and, you know, there's an emotional connection. So anyway... I floundered very badly in that first semester. I used to think of myself, I thought of myself as a smart kid, uh, you know, a scholarship kid. And I hung out with other smart kids and half the kids lost their scholarships in the first term. And I was like getting a B minus and my, basically my identity was shattered as a good student, you know. And I had to go back to the drawing board on that. And it wasn't until the second year I stumbled in, upon a book in the bookstore just browsing called um, What Smart Students Know by Adam Robinson. Yeah. And Adam Robinson is um, a really interesting polymath. Um, he started Princeton Review. He was yeah. also a ranked boxer and a ranked chess player. And he did this interesting uh, podcast with Tim Ferriss. <clears throat> so suddenly for like 20 years, I hadn't heard anything from, from him. <laughs> and then he showed up on this podcast. It was quite interesting. Anyway, so he showed me that school was a game, but it was a game that was run that you could master if you understood 12 principles yeah. and throughout this book called what smart students know he'd show you some tactics but every at the end of every chapter there was an attitude check to try to bring you back to the principles and yeah. he repeatedly he repeated and emphasized that it wasn't it didn't matter if you implemented these tactics actually these are these will mm -hmm. help but they're not even if you implemented them if you had the wrong attitude yeah. it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't succeed so it was attitude, attitude, attitude. And the attitudes were very easy to convey. Yeah. In one chapter, he told you the 12 principles. And then you think, okay, but then the rest of the, the bulk of the book was on, here's the how to read a book, 12 steps and stuff yeah. like that. How to take notes in a lecture, these steps. But it always came back to your attitude. And <clears throat> I mastered the game of school by applying principles. And um, in when I started teaching, when I first started teaching dating and um, uh, to, to men, this was like, Eight, nine years ago now, I devised this year-long program. Yeah. One of the, the third course, the third session they had with me was on how to learn. I basically took Adam Robinson's book, The 12 Principles, and applied them to how to learn um, socializing. Yeah. And there was, so that was, one of the best that was one of the best courses it turned out for the students over the years. And I didn't predict that. I thought, I kind of did it grudgingly because um, it wasn't sexy to teach how to learn. They wanted to learn how to talk to women and all that. But... <clears throat> I'm like, you're not listening to a thing I'm fucking saying, and you're not able to apply any of it. Why? Oh, because you don't know the principles of learning. Yeah. So we, we cover that. <clears throat> but then there was a catch 22, it's catch 21. 
Yeah, 22. 22. <laughs> these damn numbers. <laughs> I'm an Asian person. We don't do these. So catch 22, which was if you don't know how to learn, you're not going to learn how to learn from a, like, yeah. you don't know the principles of how to learn. Then how are you going <laughs> to learn the principles of how to learn? So it, it can be hard. Yeah. So um, what we can do is just hammer home the importance of principles. And, and um, then there's a, a great book that's out now. It's uh, we originally, I originally got it from you. You were circulating a PDF um, in our little email group of, um, Ray Dalio's principles. Yes. This is back in 2011 or something like that, 2012, yeah. when he first put it out there for free, yeah. that early version of, of the PDF. And um, I didn't like the book because it was boring. Yeah. It was literally just principles, like listed out. Um, but then when I had more time and I really dove into it, it was, it was I, I understood what he had done. He had done what I did with school, but with a billion dollar hedge fund. You yeah. know? <clears throat> and one of the things you mentioned to start was history. Yeah. And one of the things I've noticed is the people who succeed in life have an appreciation for history. Yeah. And those who are looking for piecemeal advice, like give me some tips, I got a date. Yeah. Um, don't appreciate history. Yeah. Exactly. Um, when I say history, also just, again, in completely different fields of endeavor, you'll see the same core principles popping up. Again, whether it's basketball yeah. or whether it's running a hedge fund. Um, I was reading yesterday about Vipassana meditation and just reading about it, I go, huh, I know that there is something there. Well, A, just because it has lasted a long time, right? So if a book that is on a bestseller list was, and was released this year, there is a 50-50 chance it will be still in the bestseller list next year. Who knows? Yeah. But if a book was around for 100 years and people are still reading it, oh, yes. chances are people will still be reading it in 100 yeah. years. So something, just the fact that something has lasted already means that there is, at some level, some element of truth. And for most things, it's never 100%, right? There is some core that is true. Um, and, and, and just reading about Vipassana, I was really interested because in many of the things that it says is exactly the same as what a lot of the Stoics said, for example, right? You know, completely different groups of people who come to very similar conclusions. Mm -hmm. And that's how just reading it go, huh, again, it's something that's been around a very long time and they say very similar things to, yeah. you know, the Stoics who are in a, in a completely different side of the world. Yeah. Hmm, there must be something here. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jeff Bezos says, you should focus on the things that don't change, especially in a world that's changing so rapidly. There mm -hmm. are core principles of how human beings interact. That doesn't change. If you want to sell something to a person, there are, again, principles that never change no matter what it is. For example, you want to run a startup. One of the most important things to remember is product market fit. In short, I need to sell something that people want to buy. If they're not right. going to, right, if I don't have that meeting of product, right, and then market, I can have the best run team and we're all very happy mm -hmm. and our company will fail. Right. And, and that's something I think also that people forget that there's a difference between effectiveness and efficiency. So a lot of people, folk, you know, they're given a task and they just focus on doing the task really, really well. Mm -hmm. And they don't stop to ask whether or not they should be doing it in the first place. Mm -hmm. right? You see this at a lot of big companies where, well, this is what I've been assigned. So I'll just try and do it as best as I can without saying, hmm, maybe this isn't even the right thing to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. And if you get a few essential things correct, you can fail at almost everything else in a given area and still do really well. Again, yeah. right? If in basketball, if you can make layups consistently, you will already have an offensive yeah. game. Um, you know, in terms of companies, for example, Uber, I think it's a classic example. They are in many ways a horribly mismanaged company. Horrible culture, horrible, horrible in almost every dimension, except for the simple fact that they have figured out 
uh, a need, right? They have a product that the market needs. Mm -hmm. And because of that one thing, they are a massive mm -hmm. company, right? Mm -hmm. They found the right product at the right time. And even though the company itself is, has managed to make almost every other mistake it can make, yeah. it's still very yeah. successful. Okay. Yeah, man, uh, my mind was <laughs> whirring as you were going. So let's just take one, yeah. one, one thing and, and run with it for a little while. Uh, product market fit. Yeah. So here's a, that's a, that could be a principle, or we can extract mm -hmm. a principle out of the product market fit example. So but let's just call it product market fit principle. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, a lot of guys are, are discovering me, have discovered me through dating in that avenue. That I used, so I used to be a dating coach. Let me put that out there. Yeah. And in my former dating coach life, I used to teach guys how to uh, be attracted to women. And product market fit obviously is one of the best principles you could use to make yourself more attractive to the opposite sex. Yeah. So you could and and so you could have a situation where the product is too early for the market, yeah. but it's an amazing product. Yeah. Right. So if if Uber was around in the '90s, it would yeah. have been too early. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that Uber was a bad idea, right? But it's just too early. And you could be an amazing product, like you could be a really great human being, yeah. but your market, the market you're aiming for doesn't appreciate it. And maybe that's saying something about the market, not the product, but either way you, you fail because of the product market mismatch. Yeah. So I tell a lot of guys, I get, I get guys who are upstanding citizens mm -hmm. and um, they're quite innocent or something like that, naive about sex. And, and then to, to, and then they see these girls who have, or are flaunting their sexuality and they, they want to be with that. It, like in a nightclub or something, and they, they don't know how to navigate that. So one way to do it is to make you, which you are the product, fit that market. And that will be a long, that would be an arduous process for some of these guys. Or it could be to see that your product just doesn't match that market, but it doesn't mean that your product is bad. Yeah. But a lot of guys, they already think that they're bad unconsciously. They have the self-worth issue. So it's an easy sell for them to, to teach yeah. them, to tell them you suck and you got to change. But actually, in the long run, after you know, uh, over ten years in this area, I think it it could be it was a mistake to tell yeah. people to, to actually change who they are at their core. Yeah. Because the problem wasn't that they had to change the product; it was that they were presenting the product in the wrong way. Yeah. And maybe that market wasn't the right market that they're you know that they were yeah. aiming for. So, um, product market fit, right there, right? That that is explaining that explain that principle explains why you have success in dating or you don't have success in dating. Product market fit also goes to school. Like you could write the best paper ever. And, yes. and if you have the wrong TA, which was like the case for me, like I was dissuaded from Western philosophy early on as an undergrad because the TA sucked. And I didn't know that. I thought I just didn't get it. Yeah. But it just turned out the TA sucked. I, you know, I met them later and they, they totally sucked. <laughs> and, you know, but then the professors were so the, the but you don't usually get professors marking your paper until you're an upperclassman. So when I got to grad school as an Asian studies person, then I went back into philosophy. Yeah. And then I had direct access to the professors. And I was like, wow, I love this field. And there's an example of like, the paper could be great. The product, which is the paper in this case, could be great. But it's the market is one person, either your professor or the TA or whoever's marking it. And it may not say anything about the product itself. It just says something about the market. But if you want to get an A, yeah. or in business you want to make money, you're going to have to make that product fit that market. Yeah. And that's one of the principles for succeeding in life. You have to know who the who the gatekeepers are or who the, the graders or the markers are yeah. and tailor your presentation or your product or your paper or your book or whatever to that audience. Yeah. Reminds me of this, uh, this story I've always liked about how, you know, imagine you're walking down the street one day and your mother gets shot. She's, she's lying in the street and she's bleeding out. Okay, this and this guy runs over and says, I can help. Right. And you go, okay, great. Thank you. You know, you're a, you're a, you know, you're a doctor and obviously you're, you're here to save my mother. And he goes, oh no, I'm, I'm not a doctor. 
And you go, okay, well, no, but you know, you must be a, you're, you're a registered nurse. He says, no, I'm not, a, I'm not a registered nurse. He's like, yeah, but you've got some kind of first aid training or something, right? And he says, no, I've, I have no medical experience whatsoever. And you go, you know, what are you doing here? He says, no, but I'm a, I'm a, good, I'm a good guy. I'm an upstanding citizen. I pay my taxes. <laughs> I take out the trash. I, why don't you want me to help, right? But in that, in that moment, you need a doctor. And what you need is someone who can operate. You don't need any of the other stuff, right? You just need someone who can operate. And the only question is, in that moment, can you operate? Mm-hmm. And if you can't, that's it. I, I have a need. Can you, can you fill it? Yeah. And again, right, in that sense, product market fit. Yeah. And most people run around saying, yeah, but I'm a good guy. Right? Yeah. How, come, how come they don't right. want me to operate? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So product market fit also explains why nice guys get stuck in the friend zone or like um, why fake nice guys get yeah. stuck in the friend zone. Um, well, one thing I wanted to mention as well. On, so that was an example of how you could take one principle, apply it to, I know a lot of these the, the old audience is interested in the dating stuff. So applying it to dating. Here's one that will blow your mind. I was talking about history. We started talking yeah. about history. The best pickup manual is actually the Bible. Second best pickup manual is uh, the Analects. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a tie between the Analects, the Zhuangzi, and the Dao De Jing. Well, actually, like, well, the Dao De Jing out there. The Zhuangzi and the, and the Analects. And Mengzi and Xunzi. And I would say the number three, only because it's more difficult to understand, is Wang Yangming's Unity of Knowledge and Action, his doctrine his, from, from the yeah. 1400s. And here's, here's one key principle or lesson I take from all of those that can apply to every area of life, including making yourself more attractive in the dating realm, uh, which is uh, character formation, which every, no, it's not cool now. I don't think anyone actually thinks about that. Yeah. But um, in the, so in the Bible, if you're a Christian, the idea isn't to follow a bunch of random rules and then to be judged when you die, be sent to heaven or hell. Um, so that's the child's way of looking at it. What actually it's about is reforming your character. Yeah. So what the Bible generally is concerned about, well, the New Testament especially, is concerned about is re- giving you the thought patterns yeah. of a godly person. Mm-hmm. So uh, knowing that you don't naturally have those thought patterns. Yeah. And the Bible is supposed to, well, the whole Christian journey is to have you become have you develop a certain character yeah. so that you can effortlessly do the right thing, the good yeah. thing. Yeah. And that was the debate in all of Chinese philosophy. Yeah. That was a central debate. Which is exactly what uh, Confucius says, right? Yes, right. Well, yes. Yeah. So Confucius, yeah, he's, so he started this whole, that's why there's a, the issue of rights, yes. Li, or acting in accordance with ritual yeah. was such a big deal. Yeah. It, yeah, it wasn't just because you're supposed to bow because, just because it's in yes. decorum or something. Yeah. It actually is, is forming a character. And if you don't get to form that character, it'll be really hard for you to be a good person down the road because you'll have to keep trying. All right. Yeah. So this a great book on this uh, this theme is "Trying Not to Try" uh, by Edward Slingerland. Yes, um, I've sat on panels with him a few times. He's a really nice guy. Hopefully, you'll turn out not to to be a, a spineless. Uh, <laughs> what do they call that? A social justice warrior, like so many of those <laughs> spineless professors are. But um, but that was a great book. "Trying Not to Try," and yes. um, it was based on his dissertation. Uh, on on the idea of uwe and linking that to flow, and all of that is exactly what you need to do if you're if you're trying to change your personality to be more attractive to a certain market yeah. um, that you didn't weren't attractive to before. So like club girls, for instance, is a particularly that's a that's a niche market that a lot of guys want to get into. Yeah. And um, if you don't change your character so that you naturally have fun in nightclubs naturally love the music 
um, are unselfconscious with your body language and, yeah. and you just, you can have fun there. Yeah. If you can't have fun there, uh, then it's going to be really hard for you. Yes. And maybe through, by dint of, of persistence and willpower, yeah. you can pull it off. Uh, but that's like, that's, you're and just. Exactly. And why? Because you'll never truly achieve product market fit. Yes. Right. Because right. you're, yes, that's right. Because <laughs> you're just dressing up a product. Yes. And trying to pass exactly. it off as, as See, very interesting that you say all that because I was talking about Vipassana earlier and yeah, again, I was reading this great book on the plane over here to Singapore called uh, Mindfulness in Plain English. And it said that the three tenets of Buddhism, of, of Dharma is uh, morality, meditation and compassion. Mm. And why is meditation a third of, you know, the, the tenets of Buddhism? Because without meditation, you will not gain the control over your thoughts and the awareness of your thoughts. And if you can't control or be aware of your thoughts, how can you ever be a moral person? No point in trying to learn about morality if you can't even control your thoughts. If you don't have self-discipline, right? Why bother teaching someone about morality? Because you won't be able to ever follow through, yeah. right? Again, very interesting when they say, look, there's no point in you just learning a bunch of precepts. You should be able to sit and think uh, and be aware of your thoughts in a situation so that you naturally can come to the sort of moral and compassionate outcome. Yeah. Right? yeah. Again, all of them say the very, very similar thing. Stoicism, they yeah. all say, when you get right down to it, they say very similar things. And that's why when you look across all of these different topics or disciplines, you go, that's very interesting because I see the same thing pop up everywhere. Mm. And you know, whether it's, again, business, investing, whatever it is, when you see the same principle pop up and you see it pop up over time. So people throughout centuries have seemed to come up with the same thing. Mm. That's when you go, huh, I should pay attention. Yeah. Right? And that's not just uh, a situational principle in a area, but it's a very core foundational principle. Mm. And product market fit is something that is foundational. We, we use it today to talk about startups, but in many ways it is tr it's very foundationally true of life. Yeah. And there are lots of principles like that that I think are core principles. And if you don't understand them, you will yeah. always be mm. So. Um, we need to yeah. wrap up, but one of the, okay, so let me wrap up with this thought. At least this is my thought that I'm going to wrap up. I'll leave yeah. you, let you conclude. Um, so product market fit is it's just, now it's really hitting me that that's mm. such a great way to encapsulate a very deep lesson, which is, um, sometimes, so for my, I kept pushing this principle, this idea, this maybe it's a principle that the product you, you might have the lack of product market fit and then the, you get no profits or whatever you get, no women or whatever the result is that you're trying to get. And you'd want to think, you, sometimes you think, okay, I got to change the product. Because in business, it's hard to change the yeah. market. But sometimes you need to change the market. Maybe you have yeah. the wrong market for the product. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a lot of guys, they choose the, the market is what drives them. They want the girl. Or in school, you want the grade. Or you want the money. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a given. And then they try to figure out the product to match that. Yeah. And what will happen in, psychologically is if a man changes himself to... like If he changes himself and he sees it as the new product that I become is me mm. like that's it like uh, that's there's only one product and i'm the product and i'm going to yeah. change that product to fit this market hot girls in a club or something then I, and i've talked about this in, in other lectures he he ends up taking on a new false self in order yeah. to do that so um but that can actually work in your this it can actually be psychologically healthy to go through this process if you look at it in this way when you like so um if you see it as i'm adjusting the product to fit the market then we're a-okay if you see it instead as the market is the end all be all and there's only one market worth getting mm -hmm. and I and the pro current product is no good. It's not good enough. Yeah. It's 
product sucks or it's not worthy of being bought or loved or whatever. So I'm going to change the product. I'm going to improve the product. If they see it yeah. as an improvement of a product rather than changing it, yeah. then then we have a deep level of like we're adding on false selves to our narcissistic core. Yeah. And that can be very dangerous. And that was the great, I mean, so that, I guess it's deeper than, than we were going to, uh, but <laughs> that actually creates neurosis at a deeper yes. level. So that's what I've been warning guys against in their pickup journey, that if they even do succeed, and very few people do, this long process of, of changing yourself to be naturally and effortlessly attractive to that chosen market, the danger is that you think that that's an improvement versus thinking that it's just a change of product. Yeah. And so there's people who, who can change the way they are given the, the, given the market. So if you're going to go on stage in front of thousands of people, you're going to yeah. speak differently than you would in a one-on-one -on -one chat with your, with, your, with your baby daughter or something, yeah. right? <laughs> totally different. And that's normal. That's not like a new false self that's bad or anything. It's not like you're trying to be the same yeah. true self every, in every case. It's just, a, it's okay to have a persona if you know it's a persona and you're using it for a specific purpose. Yeah. And in fact, we all have personas. We all are different in different yes. cases. And if we're successful in those, in those instances, we are um, having either a new product or, or a different type of, a different way of using that product. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Yeah. And I think it's quite healthy to think about it that way. I think neuroses come because you attach uh, those ideas to the ego. And I, I, I use ego in the same way that, that psychologists use it, right? Mm -hmm. As an identity, the self. Yes, right. And once identity. you say that I need to change the ego, change the self, then that's when you get these false selves manifesting. Right. Versus if you just say, it's just a way of behaving. Again, right. I guess yeah. to come full circle, talking about all these principles and talking about vipassana and meditation, uh, there is, not vipassana, but a different kind of meditation where you're supposed to think, sit and think and meditate upon some deity, right? Mm -hmm. So some, some, some holy figure. And uh, the true purpose, which not a lot of people realize always, is not to sit and contemplate you know, this deity, it, it is to take to, to think about the, 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 the ego of the deity, its identity, and they tell you you want to then take on the identity of that deity, mm. not so that you now believe that you're God, mm -hmm. but so that you realize that that deity's ego is just a mask like any other. Mm. Once you realize that, you realize that your own ego is likewise just mm. a mask. And if you can switch, yes. right, then actually you thought that this deity was this holy figure. Actually, it was just a construct, mm -hmm. right? a series of identities that you attach to the me. Yes. And once you set that aside, you go, oh, well, actually, it's just ways of behaving. Yeah. Like ways of responding to the world, ways of behaving, as opposed to it being the neuroses attached to the yes. me. Yeah. So. <clears throat> There's a, a book that I just recently finished um, called Masks of Masculinity. Yeah. And the book was largely telling guys to, to get rid of the masks, which is, which is a great thing. He's like, lists out, I think he lists <laughs> nine or ten different masks. Um, but uh, so that's very popular nowadays to have like to discover your true self and all this. Like most guys have no clue what their true selves are anyway, but um, they, they, there's something very intuitively appealing about that. But I think the most evolved, the more mature or evolved uh, view of it is that you should keep those masks in your back pocket because they're often very useful to get free upgrades yeah. at hotels and <laughs> flights to uh, when you're addressing um, your employees sometimes when you have to lead. Yeah. Um, sometimes when you're counseling, uh, you have a different mask. Uh, yeah. When you're playing with your with your nephews, and uh, you have a different mask. And if, as long as you know that they're masks. Yeah. So product market fit, drawing it back to that yeah. principle. Uh, as long as you can have that remove and say, I'm using, I'm going to adjust this product because of that market mm -hmm. to get the product market fit, yeah. not because it's inherently superior. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
Because now we're talking about you as the product. Yeah. And it's very easy to get that confused. Exactly. Companies face the same problem where a company gets an identity, mm, right? right? An ego in mm. that sense. And then they can't change because it's the identity. Yeah. Whereas a good company, especially yes. in today's world, can be flexible. You can rapid adaptation. Yeah. And for that to happen, you need to not have an ego as a company and yeah. say, you know, we've got a product, but, you know, we're happy to rapidly iterate. We're happy to change it. We're happy to find new markets and make sure that it fits over time, mm. as opposed to a lot of companies disappear again, especially in today's disruptive world, because they say, this is what we do. This is our identity. And that's it. Yes. We right. can never change. It's like when um, <laughs> in 1999, I think Blockbuster, Netflix, when it was, was trying to sell to Blockbuster. Yes. And Blockbuster said, <laughs> no, we're not going to buy you Netflix because we think people actually enjoy going into stores. Yeah. So that didn't work out for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so <laughs> wrapping up the downfall of others. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, on that note, uh, we're going to wrap it up. And uh, yeah, we're going to get some dinner later. I'll shoot another one. Okay, so uh, thanks so much. And get to, uh, we have two things that you should do. Join the private Facebook group for the DTPHD podcast. It's a pretty intimate group right now. And uh, it's, a, it's the easiest way to get a hold of us and interact with us. The second yeah. is you can get the show notes at davidtnphd.com backslash DTPHD podcast. And um, also, how do you, how, how do people get in touch with you, Henry? Um, well, uh, I am sadly not very much in social media. I have a website at henrychong.com. I'm sure you can look up my name. Uh, I also write uh, a letter every Sunday and you can sign up for that at fusang.co slash newsletter. So that's F-U-S-A-N-G dot C-O slash newsletter. Yes, very good newsletter. You write one for Christmas? Yes. yes. Ooh, all right. <laughs> I always look forward to those newsletters. All right, so <laughs> we're ending that, and I'll see you in the next podcast. See you soon. Hey, it's David again. Before you go, a couple last things. First, all the show notes and links to resources can be found at davidtnphd.com backslash podcast. Or you can just go to davidtnphd.com and find it through the top navigation menu. Second, if you'd like to interact with me or other like-minded fans of the podcast, then join our private DTPHD podcast Facebook group. We've got an awesome community of intelligent, wise individuals from literally all around the world. You can send a join request to the group using the link you'll find in the show notes of every podcast at davidtnphd.com backslash podcast. Click the link, log into your Facebook, and then click to join. We approve join requests every day. So go to davidtnphd.com and click the link to join. See you inside our group.